0: Welcome to the Church of the Living God, Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. Tonight, I want to take you to the book of Isaiah and I want to start in chapter 62. Tonight I'll be reading out of the ESV. And I have a message that the Lord laid on my heart a few days ago, and he stirred it again this afternoon when Pastor asked if I had anything on my heart. And I think he's got something to say to us tonight. Isaiah 62, we'll read a couple of verses and pray. The Bible says, For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations will see your righteousness and all the kings your glory and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. Tonight I want to preach a message by the power of the Holy Spirit. Give him no rest. Give him no rest. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the authority of your word. We thank you for the life of your word. We thank you that these are not just words on a page, but these words that were written centuries ago have the ability to speak to us and to move in us and to stir us and to cause us to draw near to you again. Father, we ask for an utterance and an unction in this room. I pray that you anoint me to preach this word, to give this message the way that you have intended, and I pray that you anoint the ears of these people to hear and to receive what you would say tonight, Father. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah is a book that we think of in terms of doom and gloom. We think of Isaiah in in terms of two things we think doom and gloom, and we think prophecies about the Messiah. And if you read Isaiah, that's a lot of what it is. And Isaiah gets a bad rap for being a heavy book. Isaiah and Jeremiah are heavy books that deal with Babylonian captivity, and they deal with the judgment of the children of Israel, and they deal with the punishment for the idolatry of the children who have turned their back on God, and who have walked away from Him, and Time and time again, he's asked them, come back to me, come back to me. And yet time and time again, they've refused to come back to God. And now they're being judged for their idolatry. They're being judged for their refusal to line up with the word of God. And Isaiah does have a lot of chapters that are really heavy. But Isaiah gets a bad rep because there are some good chapters in Isaiah. There are some chapters about God's promises to restore and to revive and to return There's some good stuff in Isaiah that gets lost in all the doom and gloom and the heaviness. And here Isaiah in chapter 62 is talking about a return and a promise for restoration. Isaiah is talking about a promise from God to restore the children of Israel. God gets a bad rep, side note, in the Old Testament for being a judgmental God and a and a wrath-giving God. But I want you to read the book of Isaiah sometimes and look at all the times that God says, "But, but if you'll turn, but if you'll come back, but if you'll look to me, but if you'll seek me, but if you'll turn away, time and time and time again God says, I'm sending you into judgment unless unless you turn and unless you come back to me, unless you look back to me." We know that the children of Israel didn't eventually do that. And they were forced to go off into Babylonian captivity. But in Isaiah 62, the Lord is promising a restoration of the children of Israel. He's promising a restoration of his people, his nation, his children. And I believe that we can glean some things from what he's saying tonight. Verse 1, Isaiah 62 says, For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. What beautiful language that the prophet uses. The word sake here is purpose or intent. God here in the beginning of Isaiah 62 says, for Zion's purpose and for Jerusalem's purpose, I'm doing something. Can I tell you that God has a purpose for your life? God has a purpose for this city God has a purpose for this region and because of the purpose that God has on your life and on this city and on this region he is working the bible says that i will not be silent and i refuse to be quiet the word silent there is not just a, a silence of the mouth but it's a still it's a refusal to be still the lord says because i have a purpose and an intent i'm not going to quit working Can I tell you that God is working in your life? God is working for you and towards you. Remind you that when Isaiah prophesied this over the children of Israel, they were not in good graces. They were not walking the way that they should walk. They were not doing the things that they should do. They were not fulfilling the covenant that they had with the creator. But God said, I still have a purpose over you. We've got so many people that refuse to walk back in the doors of churches because they say, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. We've convinced so many people that they can't walk through those doors until they get themselves right outside of them. We've told so many people that in order to come in here, you've got to be right. But God says, I've got a purpose for the lives of my people. And whether they're in that purpose or out of that purpose, I'm still working. I'm still speaking. I'm still singing over them, Zephaniah says. I'm still working for them and towards them because I have an intent and a purpose to accomplish. God has an intent and a purpose to accomplish in his people, in the drug addicts and in the prostitutes and those that are bound in alcoholism in this city. He's got a purpose to accomplish in them. And we cannot be a people that say, get yourself together and then you're welcome to come in. We have got to be a church, we've got to be a people that say whether or not you're right, whether or not you're fixed, whether or not you're walking the way you should walk, come on in. Because we know that our God has a purpose that He is working in your life. And whether you're in His good graces or not, has not stopped Him from being quiet It has not caused him to be still. He is still speaking over you. He is speaking over the people of this city. The Father is still speaking over Winchester. He's still breathing and moving and shaking Winchester. Why? Because there's a purpose. And no, they're not where they're supposed to be. No, they're not walking the way they're supposed to walk. No, they're not doing the right things. But God said, I'm still working a purpose. The children of Israel were lost in idolatry. They had crafted idols with their hands. They had made silversmiths and goldsmiths rich. So much so that they beat up the Apostle Paul. Because they said he's taking money out of our pockets. They had convinced themselves that the idols that they packed around were able to save them. From the king of all kings on the earth at the time. The king of Babylon. When we were in I've told this story, but when we were in India, we were on our way back from the from the campsite on our way back to Bishop's house. And there was a, a, a traffic jam, I guess you could call it, on the other side of the road, and there were there were like colored powders flying all over the air and there were people shouting and you you think there was a fire or a bomb or and we asked the the gentleman who was driving us we said what's going on and he said it's a it's a deity's birthday and as we passed by they had a pickup truck and in the back of the pickup truck was the idol and the idol had uh, 10 heads or seven arms or six legs or whatever it had but it was in the back of a pickup truck And they would dance and they would shout and they would sing. And then when they were ready to move down the road, they had to get in the pickup truck and start it and drive down the road with their idol to get it to move. They had to move their idol down the road. Because they packed around their idol. The children of Israel were packing around their gods. They were packing around their idols. And yet God said anyway, I have a purpose and an intent for my people. Can I tell you the heart of the Father is not focused on current circumstances. The heart of the Father looks past the current and the now. He is a God who looks in to the tomorrow and the tomorrow's tomorrow. And our God is a God of optimism. There are folks who will never turn back to him. And yet the father says, I love them anyway. And I've got a purpose for them anyway. And I'm still speaking over them. Christian society in America has gotten really bad at telling people that they need to be really fixed before they're able to come into the house. Not this house in particular, but Christians in America have gotten really bad It's saying you better look right and sound right and walk right and talk right if you're going to step into the house of God. When God is saying, I've got a heart for the people. I've got a heart for the people because before I formed them, I knew them. Before I shaped them and I molded them, I knew them. David said, all of my members were written in thy book before even one of them came to pass. The heart of the Father is crying out for the people of this city and the people of this region because of the purpose and the intent that he has for them. He said, I refuse. I will not keep silent. And I will not be quiet because of the purpose, because of the intent. It's not the goodness of the people. It's the plan and that he has for them, that keeps him from sitting still, that keeps him from being quiet. Because he has a plan for them, he's speaking and moving and stirring in the hearts of his people. The only person that seemed to listen at the time was Isaiah. Here in this age, he's got a church full of people with the ability to hear from him and move when he says move and do when he says do. And he's relying on us to act when he says act. Because he's got people that need to know that he still loves them. He's got people that need to know that he still cares for them. He's got a city full of people that feel like they're hopeless. And he's saying, I've got hope. I've got an answer for the people of Winchester. He said, until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. God's plan is not just to change the insides of people. But God's plan is to change people radically, fundamentally, until what's inside of them comes out and begins to testify to the world around them. He said their righteousness will become as brightness and they'll be like a burning torch. Can I tell you, we need some burning torches and some brightness in the darkness of this city and the darkness of this region and the darkness of this world. This world is lost and broken and hurting and stumbling around in the darkness. Shouldn't the people of of God be a torch and be a light of brightness that shines that says I know a way you don't have to stumble in the darkness anymore he said I've got righteousness as brightness for the people and a burning torch a burning torch his plan is not just to give people a good feeling but he wants to change the outlook of the people He wants to change the outlook of this city. He wants to change the outlook of our families, of our loved ones, who the world has said will never come back, will never come back to the house. He said, I want to change them. Verse 2, The nations shall see your righteousness, and the kings your glory, and you shall be called a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. The nations here is specifically... Referring to a non Hebrew nation. In other words, heathens. God said, I'm going to change you so even the people that don't know me recognize that something is different. I want to change you so even those who don't understand me recognize that something is changed, something has shifted. I want to change you so it impacts the people around you. And I want to give you a new name, a name, a reputation. An implication of honor and authority. We've got people in this city, people in our families that are ashamed because of what they've done and what's attached to their name. And God is saying, I've got a new name. I've got a new reputation. I've got a new name that comes not just with a new name, but with honor and with authority. Not because of your name, but because of the name that you're being adopted into. I've got a new name. For the people. A name of honor and authority that I want to give them. A name that speaks of goodness and of life and light. A name that doesn't say you have to hide because of what you've done or what you've been. But a name that says you can be proud and hold your head up high. Because of my name. Paul said in Ephesians, adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. The Roman adoption... That means a new name from the day of adoption. All past past debts wiped away because of the new name that they were given. He said a new name that you shall be called by the mouth of the Lord. God wants to speak a new name over this city. God wants to speak a new name over this city. The enemy has called this the backbone of Satan. But God wants to speak a new name over this city. He wants to breathe a new name and declare a new name over this city. That we're not what we used to be. That we don't have to continue to be what we've always been. But the intent and the purpose of the king is for us to be more than the backbone of Satan. For us to be more than where they come to get their drugs. For us to be more than an intersection of interstates that send out drugs to the region a name that the Lord wants to declare over this city. From his mouth, not one that comes by reputation, but one that he decrees and one that he declares, one that he stamps upon this city. He said "We have a new, he has a new name that he wants to declare to us. And he said, you shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. God wants to show off those who he has changed. He wants to show off those who he's made a difference in because they are beautiful to him. Winchester is beautiful to him and he is waiting on an opportunity to show it off to the world. Central Kentucky is beautiful to him. The drug addicts are beautiful to him. Those bound in alcohol addiction are beautiful to him. And he's waiting to show them off Royal diadem. I had to look it up. It's, a, it's a, uh, a, a fancy tiara is basically what it is. God wants to, to show it off. And the Bible says that it would be a, a royal diadem in his hand. He wants to, to show off those who he has changed because he's proud of the work that he's been able to accomplish. Not because of who they were, but because they yielded to him. He wants Winchester to yield, and he wants Central Kentucky to yield, and he wants us to yield because he wants to show us off. Thank God he's brought us this far. Thank God we're in church on a Sunday night. Thank God he loves us enough and graces us enough and shows us enough mercy that we would know him enough to come in here tonight. But God, do more in us. Change us more fashion us more, facilitate more of you in us, and change us until you show us off to the world because you're proud of what you've been able to accomplish in us. He wants to show off what he's accomplished. He wants to show off the change. He's proud when he takes dirty stones and he's able to polish them and make them shine. He's proud when he's able to set people up on Pedestals that were once down in the muck and the mire, he said he wants to be. A, he wants us to be a royal diadem in the hand of our God. Verse four and five: For you shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate. But you shall be called My delight is in her, and your land married. There are dry seasons and there are weary seasons that Winchester has been through. But God is saying, no more do I want to call you forsaken. And no more do I want to call you desolate. And no more do I want to call you deserted. But I want to call you beautiful and married. I want to call you Beulah, married. God has a new name that he wants to call this city. Not just a name for show, but a name that describes the beauty That he wants to work in this people, in this city. For the Lord delights in you. And your land shall be called married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. God, do it in Winchester. Do it in central Kentucky. Do it in my family. Do it in those that are lost around me. Do it in the people I work with. Do it in the people I pass every day. God, do it in the people at the transit center that I got to walk by on my way to work. That sure, they're weird and sure, they're strange and some of them don't smell so great. But God, do something in me that makes an impact on them because they're walking forsaken and they're walking barren and they're walking dry and they need hope that there's something better out there for them, that they don't have to spend the rest of their lives hopeless and in muck and in mire, beaten down by the circumstances of this world. My God, if we are not the light, who will be? If we are not the light, who will be? Who will shine for those people you work with if you don't? Who will give hope to those people If you don't, God, stir us to be your brightness, to be righteous so that your brightness may shine through us, to burn like a torch so that people around us stop and stare. God, let them stop and stare because there's something different about us, because there's a hope in us and a joy in us and a peace in us that they can't comprehend in their current circumstances because you have a purpose and an intent to work in them. Because you want to do something in them and you love them and you don't want them to be forsaken and barren anymore. But you want to release joy. God, how many people on the street corners of Winchester don't even understand the concept of joy? How many people between here and Main Street can you find that are hopeless and lost and broken and laugh at the concept of joy because it's something they could never fathom for their lives when God has called them for a purpose and God has an intent for their lives and He has spoken over them and is continuing to speak over them. God, speak a new name over this city. Speak a new name over this city that no longer it'll be called forsaken, That no longer it'll be called barren. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride. So shall your God rejoice over you. The rejoicing comes when we submit and allow him to work in us. When we submit and allow him to accomplish in us what he wants to accomplish. Verse 6. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. All the day and all the night, they shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest. God said that there are those who are assigned to more than simply living day by day. There are, more, there are those who are assigned to more than simply functioning. He said that there are those who I have set as watchmen upon the wall. There are those who I have assigned, who I have purposed, who I have appointed, who I have laid upon as a charge. And the word for watchman here is interesting. It means observe, it means a watchman, it means to be set as a watchman, but it also means to perceive. Those who perceive, those who are able to perceive what God is doing are set as watchmen. Those who are able to perceive what God is working are set and are assigned as watchmen. This house is able to perceive what God is doing. This house has been given revelation. This house has been given an anointing. This house has been given a calling to this city and to this region to recognize what God is doing, to recognize how He wants to move and how He wants to change. And God is saying that there's a responsibility that comes with that revelation. That that revelation is not simply for us to say, oh cool, that's awesome. But there's a responsibility that comes with that revelation. And the responsibility is to be a watchman. A watchman for what? For our areas, our families, our cities, our region, our work, our loved ones. God has given us a responsibility to be watchmen. Why? Because he's given us the revelation Of what he's doing. We are able to perceive what he is working. That revelation has a responsibility. Are we fulfilling that responsibility? Are we fulfilling that responsibility that comes with that revelation? Are we praying not just God give us a good day? Are we praying not just God protect us? Yes we ought to pray God protect us. But are we praying God change the city? Are we praying, God, stir the city? Are we praying, God, send a wind into Mount Sterling? Are we praying, God, send a wind into Winchester? Are we praying, God, shift the winds to be in our favor and no longer against us? Are we praying, God, break down the strongholds? Are we praying, tear down those things that the enemy thought would never come down? Are we praying bold prayers? Are we praying big prayers? Are we on the watch Because the Bible goes on to say, take no rest. For those who have the revelation of what God is doing, take no rest. Take no rest. Because it's a big job. Take no rest because there are those who do not have the revelation. I think sometimes in this house, I don't want to say it. I think sometimes in this house, Revelation, words from God, words and interpretation, and the way that God speaks and moves in this house, I think it is so close to us that we treat it as common. I think we take for granted sometimes the words that God gives this house, the words that God releases in this house, and we think, well, everybody must be hearing from God like this. Everybody must be moving like this. Everybody must be stirred like this. If he's speaking here, surely he's speaking down the road and around the corner. And surely he's speaking across town. We have a revelation of what God is doing in this city. We have a revelation of how God is wanting to attack the strongholds. We are able to perceive his plans because he has given us a grace and revealed to us his plan. But we have a responsibility to do something with that revelation. We have a responsibility to be on guard. We have a responsibility to be on the watch. And we have a responsibility to take no rest. To take no rest. No rest from the prayers. No rest from warring. No rest from showing up at church when you feel like staying home because it's cold and it's windy and it's rainy. No rest. Because what we have Dear God, what we have, not everyone has. What he has revealed to us, not everyone has gotten that revelation. And he has called us, if we can perceive what he is doing, to be watchmen. He has set us. He has assigned us. He has appointed us. He has laid a charge upon us. To work for him. Because he's doing something in the city said, you who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest. I don't know how the God of all creation, who knows the end from the beginning, who is the beginning and the end, ever forgets. And I don't think he ever does. But there's something supernatural that comes, something supernatural that happens when we put God in remembrance. In Exodus, the children of Israel cried out to God. And the Bible says that he remembered the covenant. Isaiah 55 says that my word shall not return unto me void. Something supernatural happens when we begin to remind God of the promises that he has made. Church, he has made great promises over this house. Great promises over this organization now. He's made great promises over this city that include us and over this region that include us. But if we do not put him in remembrance, we are failing our mission. We have a duty, a responsibility to put him in remembrance. And he says, in putting me in remembrance, take no rest. Never cease to remind God of what he's spoken over this house. Never cease to remind God of what he's spoken over your family. Over those family members that are lost. Those family members, those kids that the world says will never come back. Those grandkids, Charlie, that the world says are gone for forever but you're still believing for and praying for and interceding for. Never stop reminding God of his word and what he's spoken. When he promises you something, take it to heart. Write it down and never stop reminding him because he who promised is faithful and he said never cease to remind me take no rest in putting me to remembrance God said take no rest in putting me to remembrance and in verse 7 he says and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth Isaiah said, Not only should you take no rest, reminding him, but don't let God rest. The prophet said, Don't let the Lord rest until he establishes it. Pray until something happens, right? Until God accomplishes it, until God establishes it, until God fulfills it, keep on praying and give him no rest. He has asked us, he has invited us, he has prompted us to participate in his plan. To participate in his plan. He has invited us to be participants and gifted us revelation and given us a responsibility to pray and to war and to remind him and to give him no rest until he establishes the words over this house. Many have come and gone because the words over this house weren't fulfilled. Could it be it was because not enough people were reminding God of what he had spoken? Could it be because maybe just pastor reminding God isn't enough? Maybe just when Pastor Mike and Pastor Matt and Pastor Richard and Pastor Jim and Pastor Hall all come together, maybe it takes more than that. Maybe it takes more than one thirtieth of the church praying. Maybe it takes more than just the pastoral and the leadership team reminding God of what He's spoken. Maybe it takes all of us. Maybe God's waiting on us to get in line. Maybe God's waiting on us to get it together. Maybe God's waiting on us to all start buying in to what he's spoken. How many words has he promised this house? How many things has he spoken that we're still waiting on? How often do we go to him and say, God, do you remember? Do you remember the night when you said that we were going to have a wheel full of spokes. God, do you remember the night when you said that there were going to be 2,000 broken and hurting and bruised people and we were going to turn around and by your grace, they were going to be healed and whole? God, do you remember? Do you remember when you said that my kids would come home? Do you remember when you said if I paid my tithe that you would bless me financially? How often do we sit and say, oh God, I'm in trouble when we failed to remind him of what he's promised. He has invited us. The king of creation has invited us to bother him. He has invited us to bother him, to knock on his door until something happens. Ask and ye shall receive, seek and ye shall find, knock and it'll be opened unto you. For everyone who asketh receiveth, and everyone who seeketh findeth, and to everyone who knocks it is opened unto him. Red letters. How often do we get dissatisfied when our one or our two or our three prayers about the promise don't come to pass? And we say, God's forgotten, or God's moved on, or God's changed his mind. The God who never changes. The God who never changes changed his mind. How foolish are we sometimes to believe the lies of the enemy. How foolish are we sometimes to believe the liar. The one who Jesus said is the father of lies. And we get complacent. And we get satisfied with mentioning it here and there. Or we wait until there's a special service. Or we wait until there's a special call. Or we wait until God from heaven speaks to us and says, Hey, remind me of what I've said. How often do we get satisfied with almost obtaining all that he's promised us? How often do we get satisfied with almost walking in all that he's given to us? He's asked us, He's invited us, he's implored us to take no rest and to give him no rest until he establishes every word that he's spoken. I thank God for the prayer warriors in this house. I thank God because we do have a house full of people that are praying. We do have a house full of people who are interceding. We do have a house full of people who are showing up on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. And they're showing up when there are revivals and they're, they're praying and they're praying at home and they're praying at church. But is there more we can do? Is there more that we can do? Are there more prayers we can offer? Is there more remembrance for God that we can call out to him? Is there more that we can do? Because the words that he has over this house are too important to let them fail. And the words that he has over your life are too important to let them fail. God spoke a word on the day that I was born to my grandfather and said he'll preach the gospel. And I waited 26 years before I ever stood on a stage with a microphone and preached. And by my own admission, there were dozens and dozens and dozens of times along the way that I think God's forgotten. God's turned his back. God's moved on. God's changed his mind until the Holy Spirit said, Remind him, remind him. Remind him of all he's spoken. And I'm not saying that, that we can speed up God's timing. And I'm, 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 I don't, I'm not trying to say that. But I am saying that God has asked us. He has asked us to remind him. And to remind ourselves of what he has spoken. Remind ourselves of all that he's promised. The promises are big. And they're great. And when we stand in the When we stand in them. It is going to be a sight to see, but we have a responsibility between now and then. We have a responsibility between now and when we do stand in the promises. And that responsibility doesn't just lie on the pastoral team. And that responsibility doesn't just lie on the praise and worship team. And that responsibility isn't just for those that are preaching or teaching classes, but it's for every one of us. He has called us, us who have been given perception into what he is doing to be watchmen and to intercede and to pray and to take no rest and to give him no rest until he accomplishes all that he has promised. Let's give him no rest. Let's do what he's invited us to do. Let's do what he's called us to do and give him no rest until the promises over this house are fulfilled. Stand with me tonight. Thank you for listening to today's Church of the Living God Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you were blessed by today's word. If you'd like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG, or give us a call at 859-745-1865.